A musician that I rather enjoy is a fellow by the name of Harvey Reed. He's a guitarist, and he wrote a piece called Circles. I'm assuming he wrote it. And in the song, he suggests that everything we experience points to our lives going around and around and around as some sort of endless circle and that we end right where we begin. Now, this view is nothing new. Poets from antiquity have taught the same thing, and it's easy to fall into that kind of mindset. Even for some Christians, the liturgical year of Advent, Christmas, Lent, Holy Week, and Easter suggests life is just this circle that we endlessly repeat in the same seasons year after year, decade after decade, millennium after millennium. But neither life nor the liturgical seasons of the church are endless circles. Why? There are two reasons. First, with each liturgical year, this first Sunday of Advent, we begin the new liturgical year. We are graced to grow in the knowledge and love of God and express that growth by how we live and treat others. And if you and I are not growing in the knowledge and love of God and expressing it in the way we live and treat others, the problem is not with God. The problem's with us. Second, we're always changing. How we celebrated Advent and Christmas as children, for example, is quite different from how we do so as adults. We have, hopefully, a more mature perspective, a deeper sense of what Advent and Christmas mean through the deepening relationship we are supposed to have with our Lord Jesus Christ and his church. We are not mindlessly repeating the past in circles, but hopefully approaching the mystery of divine love from ever new perspectives and insights as we grow older. Now here I'd like to digress for, some, for a minute, if I may. I hear a lot of people, Catholics and Orthodox, other, and even Protestants say, church is boring. It's the same old thing. I hear it all the time. What's boring is us, not God. The Mass keeps a structure to it. Why? It's a little bit like a particle accelerator in physics. The Mass is designed to draw our attention, move our souls, to have an encounter with Christ, and from that encounter be changed. If that's not happening, it's not because babies cry during Mass. It's not because the person next to you's stomach is rumbling, or person fell asleep and snored, or the priest has all the passion of overcooked pasta. Those aren't the reasons. The reason is within oneself. 
If I'm not getting anything out of the Mass, if I'm not engaging in my encounter with Jesus through the gift of this divine liturgy, through his word and through his sacrament, the fault is mine. Not the priests, not the congregations, not the choirs. It's mine. Our lives are not circles. Something like, take an ice cream cone, a traditional ice cream cone. I prefer the waffle brand myself. And turn that upside down. We do not go around endlessly covering the same old territory, but we go around and then we spiral up and then it begins to tighten a bit, and we go around and we spiral up again. And we continue this process of growth until we reach that marvelous point where we either die and go before the Lord, or the Lord comes to us. Jesus makes it very clear in our gospel text that history will come to an end. He tells us in other gospel texts there will be wars, insurrections, persecutions, famines, pestilences. Believers, Jesus' church, are in for some very tough times. And in today's reading, he tells us that the end of history will also be marked by cosmic events. So horrible, he says, that people will die of fright in anticipation of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then, at a precise moment, known only to the Father, the Son will return. And history and time will end. And the history of each individual comes to an end. And the eternity that one has chosen by how one has lived in this life will be revealed to all. Eternity with God or eternity without him. There are three difficulties that some Christians have with the second coming of our Lord all of which really are just manifestations of human arrogance. The first is the tendency, what I like to call, the pseudo-sophisticated spiritual elites, who say, well, you know, the, the gospel texts about the second coming, those are just editorial embellishments. It, it's not real. Yeah, explain that one to Jesus. The second is to think that since it's been 2,000 years since Jesus gave this teaching and he's not here yet, we got plenty of time. Eat, drink, be merry, don't worry about it. Forgetting that the Lord tells us how he should not find us when he returns, may it be today. Beware that your hearts do not become drowsy from carousing and drunkenness and the anxieties of daily life, and that day catch you by surprise like a trap. For that day will assault everyone who lives on the face of the earth. The third is to be so obsessed with the second coming that we waste 
precious time and energy trying to figure out, oh, when is he going to come? Forgetting that the Lord made it absolutely clear the day and the hour is known only to whom? The Father. I mean, how simple can it get? And sadly, Jesus' warning has not stopped some idiots throughout history from trying to predict Jesus' coming. And in doing so, created a lot of chaos in the lives of a lot of people who abandoned common sense and biblical faith by believing the idiot's words over Jesus's. St. Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians gives sound advice how Christians should live until the Lord comes. May it be soon. It was the first letter that he wrote probably around the year 50. Some biblical scholars argue, and, and I think legitimately so, that Paul was so enthusiastic for the faith, he actually believed that the second coming was going to take place in his lifetime. But he never made any effort to predict when it would happen. His later letters show a much more mature thinking, a more mature faith. And the realization the church had to dig in for the long haul. Still, his advice is as timely as ever as we wait for the day of the Lord. He says, brothers and sisters, may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all. So as to strengthen your hearts to be blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all of his holy ones. Amen. Life is not an endless, repetitious circle. For the Christian, every moment is grace to be a choice, to grow in the love of Christ, become the full stature of the man, the woman, we were created to be, or to sink deeper into our fallen nature. Those are really the only two choices we have, and the responsibility for choosing rests with each of us alone. As we pray for the second coming of the Lord, to bring history and time to an end, and as we prepare to celebrate his first coming in time and history. May it please God that we use this Advent wisely and lovingly. So should the Lord return soon, we will have no cause for shame or regret.